Hello, and welcome to the special podcast celebrating National Weather Podcast Awareness Month. My name is James Briarton from the Carolina Weather Group, joining you from Charlotte, North Carolina. We have a selection of your favorite hosts and some new friends that you're going to meet over the course of this special crossover episode featuring some of your favorite weather podcasts from across your feeds. We've got the Joe and Joe Weather Show. We've got Stormfront Freaks. We got Weather Brains. We got the Weather Lounge. We got Chaser Chat. Some of you are joining us right now live on YouTube and Facebook. And if you are, you're invited to join our conversation by asking a question or sharing a comment as we go through this live broadcast. Some of you may be listening to this show later on as a part of your favorite podcast feed. And so we invite you to check out the description for links to all of the shows we just mentioned here. We're gonna have fun over the course of the next little bit, guys. So glad you're all here. I really think this speaks to the collaboration we see in the weather community as a whole, whether it's during severe weather or during forecasting, the whole spirit of weather in this country is to collaborate, share data, share science. And that's why all of these shows that could just as easily be competitors are here together now for the shared love of the science that you all, our audience, do enjoy. In just a moment, we're gonna start with James Spann of Weather Brains, but we also do wanna mention that a large portion of our country is continuing to clean up from the recent tornado outbreak across portions of the Deep South. If you're able to help, we encourage you to donate to an organization like the American Red Cross at redcross.org to help all of those impacted by the ongoing severe weather aftermath in portions of our country. Uh, let's start with James Spann, who is in Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, was pretty close to the severe weather outbreak that we saw uh, recently. And unfortunately, James, probably more storms yet ahead this severe weather season. So before we talk to you about weather brains, let me talk to you about storms. How, how is everyone in your neck of Alabama doing? And we know this impacted states like Mississippi as well and other portions of the South. So I wanted to start with that here tonight uh, as, as we bring you into the show. It was a rough ride this weekend. Of course, Mississippi had the brunt of the deaths. We had one fatality here. and It was in a mobile home, and that's one of our biggest struggles. It's doing better for people that live in manufactured housing. All of us, we have to do better. We had one death, but uh, we had huge hail uh, that produced a lot of damage. That really didn't get a lot of attention. And we had major flooding problems. So it was a wild weekend, and we're gearing up for another uh, uh, all-nighter Friday night. I think I had three all-nighters in a row. We've got one coming up Friday night. But, you know, this is March and April. This is what we do here. It is. I will never, ever, ever gripe about the lack of sleep. I've not slept since 1973, uh, and I love coming to work every day. So, you know, it, it's just what I do. Well, we appreciate uh, as colleagues, but as audience members and community members, all that you do, both on Weather Brains and on ABC 33 and 40, trying to keep everyone safe. And I think if I can speak on behalf of meteorologists across the country, we, we try to emulate exactly what it is that you do so well, uh, both on air and online. So let's talk a little bit about Weather Brains, because as I think I told you the last time you were with us on the Carolina Weather Group, I, I kind of see you as the godfather of weather podcasts. We're all kind of <laughs> imitating what you have started. Um, take us back. I, I'd have to imagine most people who are listening to us right now on any one of our shows uh, probably is familiar with your show, but if they are not, what year did you start it and why did you start it? 
The year was 2006, and I don't even think most people knew what a podcast was. I, I'm an early adopter. Um, early adopters get the good Twitter handles and the Gmail addresses and all that. But uh, uh, I need a creative outlet. For, for those that don't know, for, for what I do, it's, it's pretty hard. I work from four to midnight, four to midnight every day. And that's not an exaggeration during the week. It's not quite as bad on weekends. Um, and, and everybody needs a, a little bit of time just to, to relax and to talk and to you know, express yourself other than a 30 second radio cut or a three minute television weathercast or whatever. And so we discovered this new platform in 06. And so we started it and we never intended on anybody to listen to the show. And it was just audio. We had no video back then. And uh, it's uh, we, we haven't missed a week, to my knowledge. Now, I'll take a week off from time to time. We'll do two shows in a week. So I think we're approaching episode number 900. So we, we that, that's our standard line. Listen, we're not the best show. You got you got this slick looking graphics here. I mean, this is good stuff. This is professional. I, we just get on there and have fun. And uh, we, we don't really worry about the. the and, 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 and I like what you said, too. You said too. There's no competition here. None whatsoever. We, we want everybody to be successful. That does a weather podcast. We all need to learn that, that. I need to learn something every day. And all of these shows are outstanding. Uh, but uh, now we've grown from the, originally we just had me and a couple of others. And now we've got uh, some pretty cool show regulars on the show every week. We've got uh, Dr. Neil Jacobs. Uh, Neil was the administrator of NOAA. Uh, Kim Cloco McLean, who is probably the most renowned social scientist involving meteorology. Uh, James ate a lot. James is great. James is in Tulsa. Troy Kimmel, who's down in uh, Austin, Texas. We have Jen Naramore that's up near Columbus, Ohio. Uh, Bill Murray, who's down here in this part of the world with me. And we just like to bring on guests and talk and learn. So it's it's just a way to express ourselves. And I, I love the fact that we don't have some jabroni guy in my ear yelling, rap. Uh, we could just talk. You know, there's no we, we don't have a firm out time. We just talk until we get tired. Yeah, the only person in my ear here tonight is you guys, which is which is good news. Um, I think you're right. I think we all have so much fun doing that. And I think that's what brings so much of us uh, back. I, I can't speak for the other shows. My show, no one gets paid. And we're just coming back to do it out of out of love. Um, so, James, let me ask you this question. Uh, you mentioned that your show, you've learned a lot. You've had a lot of guests so on over 900 episodes. I will put you on the spot. What is the first thing that comes to mind when I say, what is the most interesting thing you've learned while conducting an interview with a guest? I think the, the most important thing I've learned is that what we do is not enough. Uh, my, my background is physical science. That's all I know. My first major in college was electrical engineering. And then I finished in meteorology. I have never taken a single class in communication or human behavior. And I was born to be standing in front of a green wall when there are tornadoes flying. It is my purpose in life, I believe, to mitigate loss of life during tornado events here. And I learned through our guests over the years that uh, we don't know a lot about human behavior. And by golly, we better listen. And I think the other thing I've learned is humility. You know, a lot of times you just get the, especially for old, you know, guys like me, we've been doing it for a hundred years. You think you know it all. No, you don't. In fact, I would suggest by doing Weather Brains, I've learned how much I don't know. And so having that Monday night event every week. It, it's critical education for me. I don't get the CEUs for the, you know, AMS seal or these other things, the CBM, but by golly, it's important to me. And so I've learned humility. I've learned how to listen. I've learned that what I know is not enough. 
especially involving social science and human behavior. So having a Kim McLean on the show and having guests that deal in social science, that's critical. And, and those that deal with physical science, goodness, having Dr. Jacobs. Neil Jacobs is the NWP czar, a numerical, numerical weather prediction. And all of us, I mean, every weather dweeb in, a, in the world you know, talks about models. Hey, man, what's the euro do? What about the GFS and the, and the all this? He knows he understands the physics better than anybody else on the planet. And having him on the show to help navigate through circumstances and different case studies, it, it's really good. So I think the most important thing for all these shows here is the fact that we can learn something and at the same time have fun and laugh. If you can't laugh, we have no hope. <laughs> uh, and, and I think most folks here have a sense of humor and we can deliver content in, in a fun way. I think laughing helps keep us sane. We'll say hello to Timothy, who's watching with us on YouTube during this uh, live chat, saying good afternoon and good evening to all of us here, including the two Jameses, Phil, Joe, Mike, and Gabriel. Uh, I want to ask in a moment for some questions from the other folks in the other shows who are joining us who maybe would like an opportunity, James, to, to ask you a question directly. Before I do that, you've got 1, 000, the 1,000th show on the horizon. What yeah, do you envision for that? And is there one <laughs> big guest that you've not been able to snag yet that you really want to snag? Holy cow. <laughs> so uh, so I, we, we figured for 1,000, we'll probably take it to, to, to Norman, to the National Weather Center. We, we've done a live show out of there before. It was a, <laughs> that show was the most bizarre show we've ever done. We, we were live in the, in the auditorium. If you've ever been to the National Weather Center, it's down in the basement. And they, they put me down there with Chuck Doswell. And I think most people that are older know Dr. Doswell. He, he, he's taught me more about severe local convective storms than any other human being on the planet. The man is brilliant. But, but Chuck can be, uh, uh, he, he can be, he's an interesting personality. Um, but anyway, I won't get into the details of that. But we, one of the thoughts is to do show 1000 there at the National Weather Center. And I should mention Rick Smith, of course, is on our show. Rick's the WCM of the Weather Service in Norman. And, uh, you know, since everybody's there or we've had thoughts of doing it at a barbecue joint in Memphis or Kansas City. I, I don't know. We're, we're, but we, we want to do it live and we're going to bring in everybody together because like everybody else here, we do it virtually, which is fine. Uh, but every once in a while, I think it's good to be together. And, um, you know, I, I've really missed the conferences during the COVID stuff. In fact, I, I'm back on the speaking tour. I was at Ohio State at their symposium this year, and I was scheduled to be in Iowa last week, but I couldn't go because of the severe weather. But being back around friends and just talking in person, there's something healing about that. And I think that's the other thing, too, that we've really tried to talk about a little more in recent years. It's mental health. Uh, we've got a mental health problem in this country. And, and the truth is every family has mental health issues, everybody and everybody in the weather enterprise. At some point, if you do this long enough, you will encounter some event that will trigger some type of mental health issue in your life. And to be able to be around friends and talk, it's, it, there's something just healing about that. So, yeah, we'll do show 1000. I, I would prefer to do it at a barbecue joint. So we'll probably find one somewhere or the National Weather Center, or maybe we'll bring in barbecue at the National Weather Center. I don't know. I think mental health is important. And I know uh, you, you and I and, and some other folks at the Carolina Weather Group had a chance to talk about that uh, when we were pr privileged enough to have you on um, uh, probably more than a year ago now to talk about the April 27th, 2011 tornado outbreak. And you're absolutely right. That's one of those things that I think I have learned a lot about, as you mentioned, social science, also the mental health and the fatigue that goes in, into doing this as a forecaster, but also as a community member when you're constantly maybe going through kind of a training one system after another. Um, 
We haven't had a chance yet in our program tonight to get to meet all of the other lovely shows out there, but I know we have James Spann for just a few more minutes here, and Phil Johnson from Stormfront Freaks uh, came off mute, and I thought maybe, uh, Phil, you had a question for James before he had to go here tonight. No, I just said, holy cow, a thousand. That was <laughs> mind-blowing. Mind it, it's about time to stop, probably. I mean, we, we need an exit strategy. Well, so that, uh, that's my question, James, is so you, you've been doing this now almost a thousand episodes. What, uh, and, and you talked about how you like keeping it pretty low key, uh, nothing too fancy, but what would you say, do you, do you have any goals in the horizon with, with weather brains, anything new you'd like to do with it? Well, you know, I, I think, and listen, I, I'm people all the time. They ask me, when am I going to retire? Never. I will drop dead doing this show or on that green wall or something. I just can't. The minute I stop, I'll be dead within six months. Uh, so, you know, as long as I'm here and if I've got the energy and the cognitive skill, I, I'm still going to do this. And uh, instead of worrying about production value, you guys are all these shows, everybody on this show here, your, your, your production value is so much better than ours. I mean, I come in here you know, 10 minutes before airtime and just hit the button and go. And, uh, you know, your production value is great. I think we probably need to improve that a little bit, but still my main thing is just to keep increasing the quality of guests that we bring on the show where we can learn and laugh. And, uh, again, the, the, the things, goodness, the, the guest quality has gotten pretty good. And we could tackle some of the hard topics. You know, we, we brought Ryan Hall on the show and, half the people said, I'll never watch your show again. You bunch of sleaze balls. And the other half is this is the greatest show you've ever done. But, but I think it's important to bring on people like that, to let them talk and, you know, just to air it out. And, and we're probably going to do a storm chase deal. And you know, all of y'all have done storm chase episodes and we have, but you know, lately this yin yang stuff on the Twitter, it's not healthy. And I'd like to kind of, if, if anything, facilitate maybe just bringing some people together. But now we're, we're, I'm not going to worry about the production. I'll let you guys do the slick production. We're just going to keep uh, trying to bring on quality guests. And guys, I hate to go, but I, I've talked way too much here. Uh, but uh, I've got to go open the uh, six o'clock. The six o'clock news starts now. We're still doing Ron Burgundy newscast here. You know, good evening. <laughs> uh, good evening. <laughs> I don't believe you. So I've got to go open it up. But again, to, uh, for all of our weather brains, folks, be sure and check out all these other great shows. I mean, we we always say we're the oldest weather podcast in the universe, but we're not the best one. The best ones are are here on the show. So thank you guys for letting me come on tonight. And uh, I'll be listening. I'll I'll hang up and I'll be listening. And we'll put this up on our stream on the weather brain stream later. Thank you, guys. Thank you, James. That's James Spann, Weather Brains, and he's going to go open the 6 o'clock news there on ABC 33 and 40. It's always great to talk to him. Uh, Phil, we just had your mic open, so let's, uh, let's roll right on down over to you and talk a little bit about Stormfront Freaks. Um, you guys have a, a great show. I've listened many a times. Um, I think you guys also sometimes do a segment where, and I'm jealous of this, so this is why I'm bringing it up. Um, I think you guys will, will play a game about who's drinking, right? I wish I had something right now. All I have is water. We, uh, so yeah, we, we started James in uh, 2016. So 10 years after weather brains had already begun. And, and when we started the show and when I had the idea, um, I, I had just started listening to podcasts and certainly had a, a strong interest in, in, uh, weather. And, and I thought, you know, this, this might be something really kind of neat to explore, so I actually, at that point, so this was in, in early 2016, I looked to see what was out there. And I really saw two podcasts that were currently active, still producing uh, shows. And that was, of course, Weather Brains and Carolina Weather Group. 
And so I thought, well, this, and, and my idea was certainly to create a, an entertaining, an entertaining podcast, weather podcast, which when you're talking science can sometimes certainly be a challenge to create something that's entertaining. So our philosophy is really to create kind of a late night talk show, tonight show kind of format uh, where we bring in, usually have a, a primary guest in on the show that, that could have some any background or connection to weather, but something that I always feel is really interesting or sexy or, you know, something fun. Um, and then we also will, will tend to have some really funny or strange segments following the guest. Uh, we have hashtag weather fools. Uh, we've done, uh, uh, we've done a number of, of bizarre th things from uh, weather resources, which can be good and educational to uh, we'll, we'll slow down the audio of some of our weather friends that many of you are familiar with. We'll slow down the audio and, and edit it a little bit and make it sound like they're a little intoxicated while they're giving their interview or their weather, just, you know, just kind of fun stuff that, that we tend to do. But when we started this in, in spring of 2016, uh, there were, of course, all of a sudden within a matter of a couple of months, probably three or four more, weather podcasts that had started at the same time. And, and none of those are still currently producing episodes, but it, it's, it, that's where the whole national weather podcast month idea came from, right. Was to, to bring all these independent weather podcasts together and, and help promote each other, share ideas with each other and, and all of that. But yeah, our show, we like to have a lot of fun. You talked about the drinking. That, that's how we introduce the show for the most part is because we'll have co-hosts from uh, various areas of weather. We have professional storm chasers. We've got uh, Skywarn County coordinators. We have meteorologists on the broadcasting end, on the digital side, <laughs> just to kind of give a, a little variety of, of topics and, and make sure we have different viewpoints as we're talking about things. But the best way to introduce that voice to an audio podcast is we find out what everybody's drinking tonight. And, and uh, so it's just kind of a fun way to let people know we like to have a good time on this show. We've actually had a comment once on Apple Podcasts, uh, came back and, and the comment was, is this a drinking podcast? And uh, I kind of responded, yeah, yeah, it, it kind yeah, of is that too. Works. It kind of is that too. Yeah, you know, you mentioned, um, first of all, to give credit where credit's due, National Weather Podcast Month is something that came out of your show and you, you extended that first I'll say olive branch to all the rest of us. Uh, but you also mentioned how shows over the years have come and gone. And I think that does speak to speaking, frankly, um, the amount of work, how grueling it can be. Uh, sometimes you get not so nice comments. Um, sometimes you're burning that midnight oil. And so, I mean, even in trying to book this sh show this year, we were noticing new shows or shows that maybe had gone on hiatus. Um, your show, I think, has encouraged our show over the Carolina Weather Group to try to have more fun um, looking at the way you guys are doing and trying to learn right from the other shows around us. Uh, you mentioned you guys have had some really big guests on and I'm curious to know, Phil, is there a guest who you've had on and maybe you haven't said this out loud, but you go, I can't actually believe that we booked them and they came on. I never thought that was actually going to happen. Well, and you, you probably know, I mean, and, and everybody on here knows you, when you start this thing, uh, you're just kind of reaching out to people maybe, you know, 
uh, or know of uh, to, to kind of help you out. I mean, our first few shows we had, our first show was some physicist that we had on um, from a company that was designing this uh, machine that was is, is supposed to detect tornadoes through electrical energy kind of a thing. And I thought, well, that sounds kind of interesting. And so, but it was a physicist and you can imagine how that conversation went, no matter how many beers you might've had um, uh, to, to, to eventually it, it's been James, a lot of uh, reaching that olive branch out to people in the weather community that you've mentioned. And James Spann has mentioned this community is a great community and, and everybody's looking to help each other out. Um, you know, I mentioned Carolina weather group was, was around before we started. And so we've learned a lot from you guys as well, but it, it's just, it has been fun to have the ginger Z's and the Jim Cantores and, and the Reed Timmers. And, you know, we just had the, the director, James Winterstern of the Supercell uh, movie. Uh, we just had him on the show for the second time. We had him on a year ago talking about the movie, but it was just released. And, and so that was enjoyable. And this next episode we have coming up uh, is an on-air meteorologist, Jason Frazier from Fox Weather. So that the new 24-7 Fox Weather broadcasting uh, channel streaming channel that's come out. We're going to find out a little bit about how they got started and what that's all about. So um, it, it's been fun to make connections and, and it's been enjoyable as you all know, as you make these connections through the podcast, uh, when I go out storm chasing and doing those things to meet these people that I've never met before, or I've met virtually uh, during a show, uh, it's always a great time. Always fun. You know, it's funny, you mentioned Fox Weather, James mentioned Ryan Hall. And as we think back to all the things that have changed since 2016, Phil, could you imagine in 2016 if somebody was like, oh yeah, there's gonna be this Ryan Hall y'all channel and Fox is gonna come out with a 24 seven streaming channel. Like just how much the landscape has changed for weather as a whole in the last couple of years is pretty remarkable. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I, I won't lie to you, I'm at this point with with our podcast because we are primarily an audio podcast um we do some video but but not a lot i'm i'm actually at a point to where i'm rethinking our strategy is should the audio podcast be our primary uh, media outlet or should we be looking at other video outlets uh you you mentioned briefly um earlier i think before we started the show Jen Walton from uh, Girls Who Chase had started a podcast recently, but they've already decided to kind of go a different route. So that's great. It's a great point you bring up is, is even as audio podcasting, is, is that the future? I think that's a great point. And I feel like we're always constantly trying to evolve and, and pivot. Well, I feel like I have a face for radio or a face for podcasts. Uh, you know, you, you've got a nice backdrop here. I think you're ready to, if you wanted to emphasize the video front, uh, you're already well lit and you obviously got the microphone equipment. Let me ask you this, Phil, for anybody that's maybe listening to this and on the fence about starting their own podcast, about weather or about something else. We've talked a lot about how hard it is. But from a, an equipment and an accessibility standpoint, have you found with Stormfront Freaks that it costs a lot of money to start a show? Or have you found that maybe it wasn't as scary as you thought that was going to be? No, it, it, to me, it was fun. I mean, there was certainly a learning curve there. 
right? Um, if you listen to any of our earlier shows, they don't nearly sound as good and produced as they do now. You know, as, as over the last, you know, we're going almost seven years now, it's, it's been upgrading, constantly upgrading, learning new things, getting better at it. It's just like anything, right? When you start, it's pathetic, but you start anyway and you have fun with it. And, and I think that's the goal that the challenge you talk about how hard it might be. I think that's the, the create for me, it's the creativity side of things. Um, James Spann talked about it's a creative outlet and it really is that for me as well. But, you know, there are just times that, that your creativity, you gotta, you gotta turn it on because you have a show to do and create and you got to figure out what kind of segments we're going to do and who's going to do what. And I got to find stuff and come up with game shows and I got to find what beer I'm going to be drinking this week. Uh, you know, those, those, the creativity can be a challenge at times. Um, but for me, one of the benefits is we have co-hosts. It's not just a solo act. And that's what's helped a ton helped me get through times that I don't feel as creative or I don't maybe don't feel as into it. Someone else on our team might, or multiple people might, and I, I can work off of their energy and kind of help me get through that time period. I'm going to ask Jared Smith, who is our director tonight on this show from the Carolina Weather Group, to put us all in the Brady Bunch squares here for just a moment, because I want to do a show of hands uh, with the other guys we have on uh, from the other shows here with us tonight. Uh, Mike, Gabriel, Joe, and, and Phil, you as well. Uh, by a show of hands, does anyone's show just do audio? Okay. <laughs> I'm kind of some... The weather lounge kind of went so yeah. and so. Yeah, mostly audio, but we do uh, dabble in video from time to time. So let me ask this question. Does anyone just do video, which obviously has audio, but I mean, like you don't distribute the audio as a part of an RSS feed. I'm not sure on, on my end because the technical person is my partner, Joe Chiaffi, and he's on virtually every social media platform, Patreon and YouTube and Facebook. So I'm, I'm sure that in some cases there are... Uh, you know, situations where you'll just hear us and not see us. But again, uh, we, we get a lot of our uh, viewership indeed from um, being on, on YouTube. Yeah. I, I, YouTube is a huge discovery for us here at the Carolina Weather Group. Uh, and we're keeping in mind that some folks may just be listening and can't see where I'm pointing or which hands are going up in the air. Let me go back over to Mike from the Weather Lounge. We haven't had a chance yet to talk about your show, but let's, sure. let's start here, Mike. Um, why is it that audio is what you guys uh, kind of focus on and, and what have you guys been toying with in that department, I suppose? Yeah, I mean, well, we started with audio because we, well, the, the company I work for, Weatherworks, we, we started our whole business in radio to begin with. Um, and we had some audio equipment around and we thought that that was the easiest means to, to get the podcast going. Um, we felt that, you know, video would be a little bit too complicated for us to get out to the masses of the people. So that's why we just stuck with audio. We thought, okay, well, what's the easiest way we can do this? Because basically how our show came to be is that we talked about it for a few years, actually several years before we actually launched. But we launched back in uh, August of 2020. And Obviously, that's when we had the COVID pandemic going on, um, and we were just looking for another way that 
we can engage uh, our audience or engage people with the weather. And we were all kind of stuck at home and didn't know really what to do with all the lockdowns and things like that going on. So we said, you know what, we can do this from home. Uh, we can just get on our, our, our desktop computers, we can get some audio equipment and we can get this done. And, you know, our, our, um, our guy, uh, Mike Priante there did a great job figuring out on how to, get this up and how to get it running for us. He's basically our technical guy and our editor and things like that. And then my co-host, um, Brad Miller, he also helped out a whole lot. Um, cause he's typically, yeah, a co-host with me on the show. So we keep things light that way. We have a lot of banter back and forth. August of 2020 was probably about the time, Mike, where I no longer had to explain to our guests what zoom was or how zoom worked. <laughs> Um, because we, I like to, I like to say we were using zoom before it was cool. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Change. and I do think that's one of the things that, uh, I suppose for the better people became more used to this notion of not everything has to look uh, super polished. Um, tell right. us a little bit more about your show, Michael, what can viewers or I guess I should say listeners uh, expect out of the weather lounge if they haven't had a chance to listen to you yet. Well, you know, we're, we're trying to have fun. We're trying to be laid back about it. I really like um, the Stormfront Freaks idea about um, having a drink with the podcast. I mean, <laughs> I remember seeing that and I was thinking to myself, yeah, I just don't know if my boss would like that. So we're going to have to kind of back away from that for the time being. So but I do like that idea. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, we, we like to be laid back about it. And, um, you know, we like to relate the weather to how it affects people's lives, how it affects different companies, different job duties. So from that, we've had guests ranging from the director of grounds for the Philadelphia Eagles and how they deal with the weather. Um, we've talked to military colonels on how the weather affects their operations on the battlefield. Um, we've talked to the hurricane hunters, uh, climatologists, um, Dr. Richard Alley from Penn State University. He was one of my professors. One of my professors. Um, uh, and, you know, even the director, uh, Jamie Winterstern, that you guys mentioned, uh, we talked to about the Supercell movie. So, you know, we had a I, I honestly got to say that I'm pretty much floored that all you have to do is really reach out and ask. And people are more willing to do these interviews on podcasts than you really do think. And if anybody's out there looking to start a podcast, you know, just go for it. Just try it. Just ask. You'll be surprised how many people actually say yes. <laughs> so don't think that they're going to automatically say no. Don't have that in your head. Um, it's amazing um, what you guys can really accomplish. Yeah, and I'll piggyback off of that if I can, Mike. For anyone who's watching or listening and thinking about starting their own show, I have had the same experience where guests will say yes and mm -hmm. I think they're just so excited to share and talk. They don't really care if it's a hundred people or a thousand people or 10 people who might be watching and listening. These are really, um, 
we want the shows to be entertaining. We want the shows to be insightful, but really it's just a bunch of friends hanging out at the end of the day. And I think people are anxious to be a part of that. Um, you mentioned all of the great ways that weather has intersected with everyday life. You mentioned baseball here in Charlotte, the Charlotte Knights, our minor league team are getting ready for their opening night on Friday. Mm -hmm. Um, really getting reminded myself about like, okay, we got some rain in the forecast. So like, how do they prepare the field? And when do they call it if there's lightning too close? So let me ask you uh, in the interviews that you've had an opportunity mm -hmm. to do, Mike, um, have you walked away with, wow, I learned something new here tonight that I wasn't expecting that has really stuck with you when it comes to that intersection of weather and everyday life? Um, I would say um, the thing that, really stood out to me is when I talked to a colonel in the army and I just didn't realize, like I, I knew that, you know, weather would affect any type of large operations. You see things from history with D-Day and the weather around history or weather surrounding that and how that affected the plan. Um, but just in their everyday operations, uh, he was, um, he was really into um, ballistics. I think he had a, uh, I forget what it was, a, a battalion or something like that to do with ballistics. So they have to basically shoot, you know, their projectile 20 miles away and hit a like 100 yard target uh, across and, and be accurate, you know, or even closer than that, I believe. And in order to hit that, they have to calculate what the winds are doing at the surface, what the winds are doing aloft, uh, if there's any clouds in the area. I mean, it's amazing all the calculations they have to do in order to get that on target. And I think that was really impressive to me um, that how much that affects things. And not only that, but it was with their with their equipment, with their night vision things. Um, the certain temperature fluctuations would really mess with their night vision. And it, it's just amazing that that is all involved and incorporated um, with the military. Uh, this is the producer and me speaking out loud now, Mike. But as you were talking, I was thinking about a similar application. And there's a podcast for this one, too. So, Phil, write this one down for next year. Uh, fantasy football weather guys uh, incorporate <laughs> some of what you were just talking about, Mike, right? Like what's yes. in the atmosphere? How heavy is the air? Which way is the wind blowing? And how, in their case, you actually stack your football lineup? <laughs> that, that's a good point, actually. And we do have a guest coming up on the Weather Lounge um, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, his name is Ryan Ripkin, and he does uh, he does this, basically. He incorporates weather into fantasy uh, sports. Um, so not only was he a, a minor league player and things like that, um, so we want to get his perspective on how the weather affected his, um, his playing days, but, um, it's also impacting his fantasy, uh, interests. So it's really interesting. I, I'm curious to see how that all pans out. I know as we gear up for the baseball season and then the amount of pure volume of games that they play and how often weather intersects with, uh, with all of them. Um, good stuff, Mike, uh, before we go tonight, in case anyone at home is trying to frantically write these down, we'll go back through all the shows and where <laughs> you can find and listen to them. Um, I want to go to Gabriel next, as we were talking about, uh, audio podcasts, but I want to start with a question about the name of your show chaser chat, because I'm wondering if you guys deal with something we deal with at the Carolina weather group, which is our name is very specific. So people who are not in the Carolinas might think, why would I ever <laughs> want to listen to that show? 
I don't live there. And we always are trying to overcome it with branding that says, no, no, it's a show about weather science and technology from the Carolinas, but it's for everyone. So for Chaser Chat, for anyone who's not familiar, is it a show geared exclusively towards chasers or is it about chasing, but would appeal to anybody? Well, first off, I just want to say thank you very much for allowing me this opportunity to come on the show. It's been really awesome getting to hear from everybody. So just really appreciative of that. And to answer your question, it is definitely a show for anybody who is, I would say, peripheral, peripherally interested in the weather, because even though it's called Chaser Chat and it does more or less um, specifically target people who storm chase, we have such a wide variety. I say we like there's more than one person. I have a lot of guests on the show. Uh, for instance, one week I might have Pecos Hank or Ryan Hall on and the next week. I might have somebody who is um, an immunologist uh, that just to think of a recent episode that we had to talk about bacterial and fungal infections that can occur after severe weather events, specifically tornadoes and the ensuing uh, infections that happen after that. So it's definitely something where if you are a storm chaser, you're probably going to be a little more interested in it because at the end of each episode, we're always taking everything back to storm chasing and talking about um, whether it's, you know, a younger person who's only got a chance to chase locally or a person who has been chasing professionally. We always take it back to that. But uh, there's certainly a lot of people. Um, another one that comes to mind is Dr. Lee Orff and his supercell simulations that he's been doing. Uh, we had him on and that actually, strangely enough, was the most listened to episode of all time about two and a half years ago. And he, I don't believe, has ever chased a single storm. And all we did was talk about what is happening within computer models. So definitely something there for everybody. I have not chased, at least with any diligence, uh, an actual storm cell other than ones that are on my computer screen, which I will jokingly circle back to. <laughs> with you. But I want to know about the origin of your show. Are you a chaser? And then thus, this is what inspired you to start making a podcast about it? So I have actually been in broadcasting now for a little over 15 years in one form or another. And I've always also been very interested in the weather, but because of scheduling limitations and just not really knowing where to find any resources, it was really just sort of a, a local hobby. I knew what a hook echo was. I watched some of Skip Talbot's videos so that I could actually identify what a supercell looked like in the sky. So if anything came locally around Columbus, Ohio, you know, a little bit to the west out there near Dayton and, and those areas, I'd go out and I'd take a peek and never really saw too much of interest, but it was something that I liked a lot. Now, flash forward to the beginning of the pandemic, and this actually was something that I've noticed as a recurring theme with a lot of my guests, that people basically were sitting at home with a ton of time on their hands and no real idea of what they were going to do. And so it feels like a lot of people collectively just decided, hey, I've always kind of liked to look at clouds. I think I'm going to actually take this a little more seriously. So I was able to hook up with a couple of folks who gave me some private lessons on forecasting and how it applies to storm chasing. I read a couple of textbooks and also I joined the Twitter community, uh, the WX Twitter community, which has just been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, the amount of knowledge sharing that people are happy to give has just blown me away. It's, it's got to be one of the most welcoming communities that I've ever been a part of. And out of that, just grew this idea of, hey, well, I've got this broadcasting background. I'm really interested in the weather now, even more so than I was when I was younger. And I'm meeting lots of interesting people. I think it's about time we start a, a storm chasing podcast that focuses on that aspect of things, because I saw there were a lot of podcasts out there. Um, the ones that we've 
uh, heard from on this show being prime examples, but there, I didn't seem to find one that was specifically dedicated to you. I guess you could say the storm chasing community. And that's how this show began. I think that's what's so great about our landscape is any sort of niche that you're interested in, not only can you learn about it, but now there's shows and productions about it all, whether they're podcasts or their YouTube channels. Uh, why have you guys found uh, that audio is the best delivery mechanism for you guys? <laughs> well, first of all, if you take a look, face made for radio right here. So there's uh, there's no denying that. And second of all, I've done a lot of video broadcasting in the past. There, there actually was a time where podcasting and live streaming was my full-time job. And I found that you tend to get a little bit more of a relaxed atmosphere when you're doing just audio. And that's really the goal that I was striving for with Chaser Chat. Uh, for those of you out there who are considering listening to the show, I had two primary influences for it. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts myself, uh, about 10 to 15 hours a day, I'd say. That's it's not like the actual hours. I listen to everything on two to three times speed. So I, I probably listen to about four or five actual hours of podcasts. And there were two shows in particular. One is the Joe Rogan Experience. I love how the conversations are just open and free-flowing. Like there's not a a script or any sort of... Um, scheduling that goes into it. It's just, let's ask some random questions and see where the conversation goes. And then there's a show called Other People's Lives where lots of people who are just absolutely ordinary in every other way, you wouldn't think anything special about them. They have maybe one or two aspects of their lives that are super interesting. And so these two hosts go out, they find these people, they bring them on. And it's some random anonymous person. In fact, a lot of the people even choose to remain anonymous they talk to them and they just have this wonderful hour, hour and a half long conversation um, about some random topic from some random person you might have met on the street. And you would have never known that this person had this just really interesting thing about them that you could talk for hours about. So those two podcasts influenced me. I wanted to create something that would just be a long form, free flowing conversation. And I, I have this idea that everybody is more interesting than they think they are. So once you get somebody comfortable, you know, you kind of get past the preamble, you ask a few questions, you have a couple of laughs. I find that people really open up. They're willing to start sharing things. And they realize, I think, along with you at the same time, that they actually have a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. And so that, that's the specific reason for uh, audio only. But I'm definitely not opposed to doing things with video in the future. Sometimes it's interesting as a host, right? To try to convince somebody they have an interesting story. We're like, we think you're interesting. Right? Please, more about that. <laughs> um, yeah, people, uh, people always say, just, uh, just real quick, people always say, um, you know, I'm sorry if I'm rambling. And I always tell them, like, no, that's what a podcast is for. Please continue talking. Like, just don't stop. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I, I couldn't uh, help but uh, probably acknowledge to Phil that, you know, if he's listening at two or three times speed, but you're slowing down the segments to make them uh, sound funny, that probably cancels itself out. <laughs> yeah, that, that ruins that segment out. for Gabriel. Yeah. <laughs> but I have heard every single one of you here sound like chipmunks. So I just have to throw that out there. I probably sound more interesting as a chipmunk because <laughs> like, I, I don't think I sound interesting uh, otherwise. So um, let me bring Joe in here real fast. Uh, Joe, you've got some folks who are watching. Uh, they're watching with us tonight here on Facebook and on YouTube. And I think it was Rock Doc who was asking whether or not you have a new episode out tonight or tomorrow or when's the next Joe and Joe Weather Show drop. So uh, since I think we're simulcasting on your YouTube channel right now, I thought maybe you could address that directly. Uh, I can address that. Uh, Joe Chiaffi, my cohort on Joe and Joe, uh, is in Florida. Actually, I believe tonight he is uh, commuting uh, back home from Florida. And so 
No Joe and Joe show tonight, but we will be back as we normally are uh, during the week, uh, except for Friday nights, unless there's something special going on on a Friday. Monday through Thursday, we're on from uh, 7.35 Eastern time to usually about 8.35. We usually go at least an hour on our show. And then we take off on Friday and Saturday. And then we're back on Sunday, but not in the evening. We're on at 11 o'clock in the morning, and we call that segment Coffee with Joe and Joe <laughs> in the uh, early part of the day. And uh, we have a lot of fun. We have about, uh, I'd say, about 200 hardcore viewers that watch us on a regular basis. But when there's something significant about to occur, like a major winter storm or the approach of maybe a tropical cyclone or a hurricane, uh, we see our numbers rise. We have seen on our uh, chat board uh, numbers on the order of four and even 600. And once we even touched a thousand viewers, and that's not including those who are not on the chat board, we have a lot of lurkers out there who uh, aren't necessarily on the chat board, but are watching us nonetheless. So uh, it, it makes Joe and I feel viable. We uh, no longer, the two of us have about 40 years experience each uh, in broadcasting, uh, both on radio and television. And uh, unfortunately, uh, at least up here in the New York market, uh, they don't seem to be interested in people uh, of our age or our experience. So uh, we are doing our show on YouTube. It makes us feel viable because uh, we know that there are a lot of people out there who tune in every night even during boring periods of weather, just to hear us and talk about weather. Well, I'm exhausted just thinking about all of those hours that you guys are, are doing as you were rattling off that schedule. I can't believe it's only one day a week that you're doing who's drinking what coffee. Um, but I will compliment what you said on that. I think the viewer, the listener at home, and if you're listening to me right now, this is where your big part comes in, plays a role in feeding that energy back into us, right? If we're just doing this as show creators out of the love and enjoyment of doing it, it's those who are coming into the chat, as you mentioned, Joe, and, and engaging with us that make it so lively and so enjoyable, I think. I think so too. Um, the, the interesting thing about, you know, I, I'm usually the one who monitors the chat board. Joe is the one who, uh, Joe Chiappi, uh, is the one, my partner, who uh, usually operates everything. He's like the switcher, if you will, uh, putting up maps uh, from uh, uh, places such as uh, uh, Tropical Tidbits, for example, or from uh, the National Weather Service site, uh, SPC, uh, or WPC sites. Uh, he puts those maps up. And sometimes I'll join in by, since we're, I'm on Zoom, um, I could share whatever I'm thinking or whatever I'm looking at uh, with not just Joe, but also everybody on the chat board. And sometimes it can get rather interesting. Sometimes there'll be people on the chat board who will have a different opinion as to what may be coming our way weather-wise from what Joe is indicating or what from I and I'm indicating. And we have uh, a little bit of a discussion with that. Uh, but I've, I have found it uh, very interesting. I look forward to uh, the shows each night and being able to interact with so many different people and being able to interact with Joe. You know, Joe and I, we, we grew up uh, on the Upper East Side in Harlem, on, in Manhattan, uh, back in the day. Uh, we went to the same uh, Catholic school, although we didn't know each other back then. And then we each, our families moved up to the Throgs next section of the Bronx. We still didn't know each other. It wasn't until we landed at the same college, City College, 
uh, in New York on the Upper West Side of Manhattan that we got to know each other. We used to hang out at the weather station, the weather center there, got to know each other very, very well. And then we went our own separate ways. I ended up on radio. Joe ended up working uh, as, as a behind-the-scenes person for people like Willard Scott and Al Roker at uh, NBC4 and also worked for a time as an intern at the National Weather Service. The one thing we always wanted to do was work together at the same location. And uh, I, I, he, was, uh, he got a job at News 12, uh, which was a cable vision outlet out on Long Island. I kept trying to get into News 12. I eventually got in as a stringer. Then Joe left and went to PIX11 here in New York. And I was at, at uh, News 12. Finally, finally, in 2017, we both landed at the same place. We were at uh, Verizon Fios 1 News. And we were there for about three years until that shut down in November of 2019. And after it shut down, I said to Joe, well, that's it. You know, we... It's been fun being together with each other. He said, no, 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 no. We're going to figure out how we're going to still be able to do this together. And sure enough, um, we're doing it each night. He is no longer in New York. He's down in Georgia. And I'm up here in New York, just north of New York City. And yet every night, through the magic of technology and through the magic of Zoom, uh, we're able to appear side by side together with a whole bunch of people on the chat board. And we have a lot of fun talking again about weather and other things too. We finish out our shows most nights with what we call Briller Jeopardy. One of our moderators is a gentleman who we call the chairman, Scott Briller. And he comes up with a number of different interesting questions, not necessarily in weather, but in other subjects as well. And we'll throw them out to the chat board and I'll throw them out to Joe or Joe will throw them out to me. And uh, that's usually how we finish out our shows each night uh, with, with a little bit of fun. So it's not really all weather. It's other things as well. You, you talk a little bit. I'm, I'm going to jump in, James, because he was talking about Zoom and you were mentioning that earlier, right? Where prior to COVID, uh, how many times we would have to explain to our guests kind of how to use you know, this kind of a Zoom call kind of situation and what to do and how to log in and headphones and uh, unmute yourself, all that good stuff. Uh, I want to, James, I want to go to you because we really haven't had a chance to talk a whole lot about Carolina Weather Group yet. Uh, you mentioned certainly, and I think that's important uh, for everybody to know that you don't have to be interested in Carolina weather uh, to certainly learn and, and benefit and enjoy your show. But talking about Zoom, I, I guess, tell us, uh, when did you guys start? How, how did you start this scenario and start your show? But you really have, I've seen you guys really do a, a big push towards video and have done some really good good things there. So I don't know if there was a point that you guys decided to start going that route. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good question, Phil. And I appreciate that because um, if my wife was here, she would uh, confirm I like talking about myself. So thanks for the question. Um, we're in our ninth season and fun fact, I didn't even the start when it started, I got invited on a few years in just to show how collaborative these things can be. And when we started, we were on Google Hangouts and it was just like a straight raw chat. I don't think there was an audio element to it. Uh, it went to YouTube. I'm not even sure it went to Facebook. There wasn't really this idea that we were trying to hit these people in all the different places yet. And it was just, uh, really the Genesis was, broadcast Mets and enthusiasts, Skywarn watchers, ham radio operators in the Carolinas would get together and 
discuss the weather. It was like the interactive version of the National Weather Service forecast discussion. And then that involved more into a show. And then at some point, uh, I guess it was 2016 or so, I think I joined. And that was around the time we were trying to then reach an even broader audience. We want to try to appeal to maybe parents and teachers and children and kids who want to learn, but also still be relevant to people who are experts in the field and try to teach them something new as well, too. And, and that's where we, I think, have really ballooned now to try to do video because that is, you think about the YouTube algorithm, and I'm sure the Joe and Joe Weather Show have seen this too. You, YouTube is such a powerful tool paired with Google to try to reach new audiences that you, at least I am, surprised with the people who show up. All of a sudden, we got people watching from California or Kansas or other countries, and that's really why we try to embrace, yes, our brand is Carolina Weather Group. When there's a hurricane or severe weather in the Carolinas, that's what comes first for us. And while we are as co-hosts all spread across the Carolinas, we do try to make shows that are really relevant to everyone. And a perfect example of this recently is our show got invited down to go to Kennedy Space Center in Florida for a space launch. What did that have to do with the weather in the Carolinas? Really nothing other than we all like watching things in the sky and there's this huge overlap between technology and space and, and weather. That, that looked great. I, I, I wanna know a little bit more about that because who all went down? I saw a lot of your stuff and your reports from there, but who, who all went down and what was that experience like? Uh, so it was just me, which was a very interesting experience. It felt a little like Willy Wonka and the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory thing where they were like, here is your one golden ticket. It is just for you. And it was like, okay. Um, so if I were to ever get invited back again, I would probably try to really say, but can I please bring help? Uh, because I shot everything on my phone uh, using little DJI mics. There are microphones from other companies as well, too, uh, which really, I think, speaks, Phil, to how far technology has come. Because we shot the whole thing, both the live elements and what I essentially now lovingly calling the documentary version of it as well, too, in 4K on the phone with wireless mics that captured right into the phone or streamed us out over 4G, 5G, and Wi-Fi, which is just, it blows my mind. First of all, um, uh, talking about, uh, and this was something Joe brought up, uh, people behind the scenes pushing buttons. In his case, it's the other Joe. In my case, it's Jared Smith. Jared, can you turn your camera back on so we can see your pretty face? Because uh, there he is. Uh, this is the man who not only tonight has been pushing the buttons, moving people around the screen, but also is the man who made my dream of the Kennedy Space Center stream happen, Phil, is because that man was back in front of his computer making me look not dumb. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, well done, Jared. Cause, cause he didn't look dumb. He looked pretty smart. So that, that was good. And it was a team effort. We had a, our, we have a video editor who is in New Jersey. What does that have to do with the Carolinas? Nothing. He's just a great, excellent, smart young man. And he was taking in all of the video that, that, uh, I was about to say we, as, as Gabriel did in the Royal Censor Chaser Chat, that we were sending back, that I was sending back. So the videos were going from Florida to New Jersey, Florida to Charlotte to New Jersey, and then down to Charleston. And then can, to can, can I, James, are you okay if I ask a question to the whole group? Please. Yes, we can put so, everybody in the Brady Bunch. So here, here's what, here's what I want to, I want to find out from each of you. And, and I'm, I'm going to start with, um, I'll start with Gabriel. Uh, because I, I listened to one of your uh, recent episodes uh, with a chaser that was chasing during the uh, Mississippi tornado outbreak we just had last week. And um, you mentioned, or I, 
I, I thought I saw something on Twitter where you talked about, because we've been the same way. We, we've tried to be a timeless show. We don't talk a lot about a, a lot of current events, but we had a show uh, the day that Hurricane Ian hit landfall. And we talked to a couple chasers and a resident and, and that, that was a, a really popular show, but it was certainly a stray from what we typically do. And I thought I heard you say that, that yours was pretty popular as well. So my question to the whole group, but Gabriel, I'll start with you. Do you have a goal to try and be timeless to where you're not talking about current events and someone could listen to your show at any year, any time, and it's still going to be re uh, relevant? Or, or are you maybe based on that one episode, are you looking at maybe trying to do some more uh, timely current event kind of shows? Well, thank you for the question, because that's actually the other thing that I was hoping I would get a chance to mention. Uh, it's definitely something I have been considering quite a bit, because up until this point, Chaser Chat has been purely timeless episodes. Everything's been evergreen. I could, you know, tweet out an episode that happened three years ago and it would be just as relevant as it was when it was first recorded. And I've had this thought for a while now, uh, since I am spe specifically geared towards storm chasing that wouldn't it be cool to get a chance to talk with folks as soon as it is, you know, safely possible, even if they're just driving home, you know, I can call their phone on zoom. And I was like, well, this event that occurred on Friday night with the Mississippi tornado, Obviously, it was absolutely devastating, just tremendous tragedy. And there's obviously going to be a lot of people who are interested in hearing about what it was like in the direct aftermath of that. So I just decided to call up one of the chasers. You know, I, I DM'd a bunch of people. I called up one of the chasers. Um, they talked to me for about 10 minutes. And like you mentioned, I was blown away because it now has been five days and it is already the most popular episode that I have posted. And we're talking even episodes that I posted three years ago with like Pecos Hank, Skip Talbot, Dr. Lee Orff. Um, it just on a quick check today has already outperformed all of those. So uh, I do think I'm going to be doing a few more of those into the future. Obviously, it's tough. Uh, I'm not sure what everyone's situation is here in terms of your full time jobs. If this is your full time job, um, I, I have a separate job other than just podcasting. So trying to coordinate all that on the fly might be a little challenging, but I, I do think the payoff will be worth it. And I think as long as you're dropping some evergreen content into the feed with some time sensitive content, uh, I think people will be appreciative of that. So Joe, I'm going to jump to Joe because I know you guys do cover a lot of uh, current events, current weather events, but how, how do you try to mix that up a little bit? Do you like sticking to current events? Uh, what's your philosophy there? Well, yeah, I, uh, I think uh, people are drawn to us, as I mentioned earlier, especially when there are major uh, weather events taking place and not necessarily locally. I think one of the more popular uh, uh, conversations that we had outside of the New York area was back in September of last year with uh, Hurricane Fiona, which was headed not for Florida or not for the Carolinas, but for Nova Scotia. And uh, that afternoon, uh, uh, less than 24 hours before landfall, I got the idea that, hey, maybe uh, somebody at one of the radio stations in Nova Scotia might be interested in talking to us. And we were able to hook up with somebody and spent a good 15 minutes. And he was going point by point over everything that was happening. And it gave you a real feel prior to the uh, landfalling of what was going to happen to a major city. I don't think it was Halifax, but it was someplace uh, east of Halifax where uh, there was a lot of concern. You could and even tell in the uh, gentleman's voice 
uh, we spoke to him over the phone, uh, that uh, there was a lot of concern and a lot of people were getting ready, battening down the hatches, so to speak, for a major blow. Incidentally, the storm was not a hurricane when it made landfall in Nova Scotia, but an exceedingly strong extra tropical storm with winds gusting to over 100 miles per hour. I don't know, quite frankly, when they go over 75, I don't care if whatever, whatever you want to call it, a hurricane or an extra tropical storm or whatever, it does damage. And indeed, in the aftermath, we found out that it did a lot of damage and a lot of people were out of power for many, many days. So that was that's an example of how uh, we sometimes uh, uh, get involved with places other than New York. But we also talk in advance with major uh, in advance of a major storm system with people over at the National Weather Service, uh, Bill Goodman at uh, Upton, New York, New York City Office of the National Weather Service, or even somebody who Joe and I went to school with at City College, Tony Gigi, who is now retired but was down at the Philadelphia Weather Service for many years. We get his uh, expertise or uh, his thoughts on uh, an impending weather event. And uh, I think that's what brings everything together on our Joe and Joe show is the fact that we make it interesting. And uh, as uh, I think uh, uh, James mentioned earlier, uh, there's nobody yelling in our ears saying, wrap it, Rayo, wrap it, wrap it. <laughs> I right. mean, we can go when we get on, when we get on a topic, we can go as long as we want. Uh, as, as Joe Joppy has said many times, it's our show. Yep. We can do anything we want. We don't, we don't care if, if you don't want to watch us, go ahead, go, go away. Then, but we're going to be here and we're going to talk about what we believe is important and what is interesting to our viewers. And that's great. That was always the most frustrating thing to me uh, on television sure. was the fact that, you know, it's something really interesting I thought would be happening sometimes up in the sky. I'd want to tell people about uh, an overpass or an overflight of the space shuttle. And I'm just getting into it and telling people about it. And all of a sudden I'm hearing the director say, all right, Ray, I'll wrap it, wrap it. Or before the show even begins, Joe, you're gonna have, we're gonna cut it, cut you down from two minutes to a minute and a half because we're heavy tonight. And sometimes when that happens, I get cut down even more to like one fifteen or one million right. because whoever's in on the show, you know, keeps going on and on and right. on. So it's great to it's great to be able to do a show like this on YouTube. And again, uh, I, I give all the credit to Joe Chiaffi because he was the one who kind of drew me into this. Yeah. It was just him doing a solo, and one night. Uh, at uh, Fios One while he was doing his solo. I just happened to walk in in the studio where he was doing his show and he called me over and he said, come on over, come on over. So I sat down next to him. We were chatting about weather and it, uh, other, other things of the day. And a couple of days later, he said, would you come back on the show with me? He said the public demands it. Wow. Okay. Well, you found you found your you found your new calling. I'm going to jump to Mike. I know Mike, you guys are, are really focused a lot on the guests. Yeah. Uh, as well, but are, are you mixing in current weather events or what, what have you found works best for you guys? Well, I got to tell you, yeah, we are focused a lot on the guests. Um, but some of our, one of our best episodes was when we did the long range forecast for the winter season. And that seemed to really, I mean, people are just enamored with what the winter might bring. Um, so I feel like that one really hit a chord uh, for a lot of people. So, and I know my co-host, Brad, he's always pressing for us to, Hey, we got to do something when a storm's happening. We got to be more on top of a nor'easter because we're up here in the Northeast. Uh, we're based out of, uh, New Jersey. And, um, but we just run out, we always run into a conflict because then our actual duties as meteorologists informing our clients 
you know, that takes precedence over everything. So um, having that extra time during the storm is always difficult to find. But um, maybe as we go into next winter, I think it's something we should consider a little bit more, uh, especially hearing what uh, Joe had to say there, um, at least before the storm. Maybe we get into the kind of crux of the forecast, what can go wrong, um, you know, where this rain snow line is going to end up. Things like that um, might really hit a, you know, resonate with a lot of our um, audience out there. So it's something I think we should probably consider a little bit more. Yeah. Mike, I'm, I'm, I, go I go just, ahead, Joe. I, go I, ahead. I didn't need, I just, Mike said one of his most um, popular programs was about long range and about the upcoming yes. uh, winter season, for example. I just want to bring up here, uh, we've had this gentleman on the show uh, a couple of times and his name is Jim Witt. And hmm. Jim does long range forecasts and each fall he puts out a calendar with his long-range forecast, with his long-range predictions. Now, he and I are differing on the, his methodology. He uses, and I, I still don't understand how, he uses the moon, he uses the planets to forecast mm. long-range weather for, uh, forecast for the upcoming season. But the one thing that I do agree on is that this calendar, which I brought up, he's been putting out this calendar since 1986 with his long-range predictions, and he sells it. He's been on WHUD here in the Hudson Valley of New York for almost 50 years now. This this calendar he sells every year. Every single cent of this calendar doesn't go into his pockets. He formed the Hope for Youth Foundation, and all the money that is garnered from these calendars goes into um, children's charities, like, for example, Ronald McDonald House, St. Jude, uh, like 30 different charities for kids that, as he said, has been dealt a bad hand in life. And single-handedly now, this man, he's a meteorologist. He's been, again, on the air for a good number of years here in the Hudson Valley. With these calendars, he has um, made, since 1986, nearly $5 million. Yeah, that's great. And that, and that $5 million, again, all going to children's charity. So uh, if you're interested, uh, all you have to do is go on Google uh, type in Hope for Youth Foundation or Jim Witt, and you can find out more about Jim, his long-range methodology. I think he actually has a, a, a website called the Weather Whiz, <laughs> and uh, you could also find out <laughs> as we get toward the end of the year how you might be interested in getting a copy. I think I think there was uh, yeah, that's good. I think there was an NFL player that got caught at a at an airport with something called a whiz. I, I don't exactly remember the rest of that story, but uh, I don't want to leave without bringing up James with that same question, because James, I think Carolina weather group really, you guys, I think have done a great job with balancing the guests and, and evergreen content with current weather events. And, and you, you figured out some, so I guess, uh, I'm mathematical equation to that somehow but maybe soft. yeah tell me <laughs> tell me about that i'm glad i'm glad it looks like we've we've got it all figured out uh because i do think it's ever evolving but yeah we 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 i'm going to say we struggle with that too in the sense of what uh mike was talking about in that we all have other day jobs and a lot of them are weather related 
So it's hard to be in two places at once trying to cover severe weather. So we try to balance in our shows and in our feed what is evergreen, what is going to have, as the uh, analysts like to call it, the long tail, so the audience can enjoy it for a really long time into the future. That makes it very productive on our part. But again, the community responsibility, the community outpouring, um, we really see those spikes of in audience numbers when we come into severe weather tropical season and so we know that we are in a good position we are we feel confident that we can help prepare ahead of the storm with forecasts with understanding of impacts by answering questions and then frankly speaking what our current plan is during a lot of severe weather outbreaks is if we can be live we will be and if we can't be live then we rely on a lot of the great resources that are available us into this country from the NOAA and the national weather service by putting up radar and warnings and information that is coming in essentially off the wire and streaming that out because while i would love to be there all the time because it's not my full-time job because it's not the full-time job of the other hosts we can't always physically be there but we still want the information coming out and that's where i think we've we've reached a good balance <laughs> what about you phil i want to ask you before we go here if there anything else about stormfront freaks you wanted to mention that we hadn't yet touched upon uh you know no it's like i said we're we're ever evolving we're we're constantly trying to you know get better and figure out what's the next step and and we've got a great group of co-hosts now that we've had for a number of years together uh you know we we went through some turnover with with some for a while that just you know had different commitments and and such that they couldn't stick around but we've now got a good group uh, uh, with, we've got Greg Johnson, who's a professional storm chaser up in Canada. I get to, I, I, what's cool about this podcast for me is I get to do it with my older brother, uh, MJ, who is, um, he's a Skywarn County Skywarn coordinator up in Minnesota. So we get to do that together. He also gets to be the guy that pushes all the buttons behind the scenes too, but uh, we have Dina Knightley, meteorologist with uh, weather.com. We've got uh, Jen Watson, who's who's a meteorologist and does some work with the Weather Channel. Uh, Serena uh, Arnold, who's former meteorologist at Mount Washington Observatory. Uh, we've got Mark Massaro, we call him Maz because we have two Marks on the show, but he's a former TV meteorologist in the Cincinnati area. And uh, we've got Brady Harris, who uh, is a somewhat recent grad from Ohio State's uh, meteorology program. So just a, it's it's a cool bunch of people. We have a lot of fun. And now we're, we're doing a chasecation uh, once every year. We head out to the plains and do a week-long chase. And we just have a lot of fun. But I, I really appreciate this time with all of you and, and really uh, some of the new shows that are, that are on and some that have been around for a little while. But uh, just getting a chance to, to share some ideas and learn about you as well. I think the most important thing for a person like yourself, for a person like Gabriel, for a person like uh, James and Mike, is the fact that the reason why I think all of us are successful in our podcast is that the people who watch us trust us. They, I, 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 more often than not, I've heard from people who watch Joe and Joan have told Joe or myself, we believe you. We understand what you're saying, but we, we have a, a trust in what what. You're, you're telling us about, let's say, an impending big storm, unlike uh, television, some TV you know, weathercasters who really are being fed the information. They don't have any information, no knowledge uh, whatsoever what, what they're talking about, but uh, maybe a private weather service like AccuWeather is giving them all the stuff to, to, to say on the air. 
Um, but, you know, there, there's not much in the way of credibility. I think that for people like us, we, you know, people who are really, in some cases, even frightened uh, about what may be coming their way in terms of a tropical cyclone or a major snowstorm or a blizzard or possibly losing power, they come to people like us to hear the, the real poop, if I may use that term. And I think that's where, that's where I think a lot of us get a lot of our credibility and a lot of our success on these podcasts and on these telecasts on YouTube um, is, is uh, from the fact that people know who we are, they know of our knowledge, and they know that uh, we're, we're going to be telling them uh, or giving them the best uh, information possible based on the National Weather Service or based upon our own empiricism and our own uh, knowledge that we we built up over many 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 years in in the business. Real, real poop, Joe. You can use that term with me anytime. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. I love this hyper local niche content you can't find anywhere else. As we wrap things up, each one of you in ten seconds or so. Phil, you're up on the screen now. Where can people find and watch Stormfront Freaks? Uh, so just uh, you can check us out at stormfrontfreaks.com, and and that'll give you all the links and all the access to everything we got. Gabriel, Chaser Chat, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Crazy Gaby, that's G-A-B-E-Y, or you can go to at Chaser Chat. Uh, you can also go to chaserchat.com. Mike, where can we find the Weather Lounge? You can find the Weather Lounge anywhere you find podcasts on your, you know, your iTunes, your 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 Google uh, app or whatever it may be, you know, just search us and we'll show up. Joe, where can we find you and Joe? You can find us on uh, Joe Chiaffi's uh, uh, YouTube channel. Go on to YouTube, type in uh, Joe Chiaffi, C-I-O-F-F-I, uh, and you'll be brought to uh, his channel. And that's where Joe and Joe is uh, most every weeknight and again on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern time. I love it. Thank you so much. I'm James Bryerson on behalf of the Carolina Weather Group, where you can find on YouTube, wherever you listen to audio podcast or carolinaweathergroup.com. We appreciate you all joining us tonight here on our panel and to you listening and watching wherever it may be that you are watching or listening. We appreciate your love for weather and we hope you will check out one of these shows if you haven't already. And hey, if we forgot a show, we didn't do it on purpose. So drop us a comment. Let us know what shows you want to see in next year's National Weather podcast month. On behalf of all these great guys, I'm James Breyerton. Thanks so much for joining us. See you again back here real soon. Bye-bye.